In the age of Instagram and social sharing, brick-and-mortar businesses offer a unique advantage that even the biggest and best online platforms can't compete with. On Brick and Mortar Reborn, we talk with business owners and industry experts about what they're seeing work best for brick and mortar businesses who aren't just competing with their online counterparts, but thriving in spite of all the options that customers now have. We'll share exactly what you can do to set yourself up for success with an experience that wows your customers and keeps them coming back for more. And now our host, Bobby Maramat. everyone. Welcome to another edition of Brick and Mortar Reborn. Today, we have a special guest, Rob Fishman. Rob Fishman, um, you know, has been in a bunch of different business and management um, fields and, uh, you know, different positions over the years, in addition to being in retail, performing arts, consulting, and training. Rob, welcome. Thanks, Bobby. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I know I I gave a a quick brief uh, intro, but if you don't mind going in depth and, you know, all the things that you're involved in and specifically even talking about how it came about where you wrote a book, The Retail Success in the Online World. Sure. Thanks, Bobby. And again, thanks for the invitation to join you on uh, the audience today. So the history, where we go back from, go back to many, many years, having been involved in a family retail business, family retail jewelry business, spent many years watching my, my actually my grandmother, my dad, my mom, watch how they would work with customers for many, many years. From there, I eventually took over the business and started to study a little bit more about human interaction, the customer experience, exceeding expectations, got involved with a peer accountability group, which was probably a game changer for me. It was around the time that I was expanding. So I got involved with a group of fellow retail jewelers. And that's where the topic of marketing plans, strategic planning, five-year planning out, setting goals, employee recruiting process. And I realized that I went from that merchant mindset over to more of a business and entrepreneurial mindset. And that's where we started to see significant changes in the landscape. Fast forward, I sold the business uh, several years ago and always had a passion for training and sales training and sales development process. So I got involved with that. And through marriageable things, uh, working through the sales training, sales process stuff, realized that there might have been a calling for looking at the challenges that most retailers are experiencing with all of the change. So uh, I sat down to write a book a few years ago. It came out last year. And what we found is that There are two specific areas around retailers who are looking at the following rule that change is mandatory, growth is optional. For those brick and mortar retailers who have not chosen to change, it's going to be a real challenge. And there is story after story. Um, I had interviews with people that are thought leaders, market research people about what's their opinion. So we could really come out with some real true information about how to put your best foot forward. Now add in a pandemic which shut down a lot of retail businesses. Now it's leaving people like, okay, now I've got a lot of adversity facing me right now. What do I do? The two big pillars now are going to be the embracing of technology and leverage that disruptive force of technology. That's one. And the other side is going to be about the experience itself. Now, once things do reopen, there will be customers coming back out. And at first they may be very skittish, so I'm going to give uh, everybody who's listening some real uh, concrete plans and suggestions and a process to go through. And I'll do it a little bit later on about, well, how do I go about this? So I'll, I'll be happy to discuss that. We have this evolving buyer behavior you know, over the past few years. But even so, like you said, uh, we're, we're right now in the midst of, a, of the pandemic. And so with that, what are some biggest changes in customer behavior you've seen so far? So a lot of it's gone online. 
A lot of it is going to the internet. And what's interesting about this is we call this the silent decision maker. It used to be in the old days, if, for example, a couple walked into an establishment or a store, for example, they might look at something, uh, they might like it and decide, okay, this sounds great, or we'll come back at a different time. But now what's happened now is there's now an additional entity called the silent decision maker, and that is the internet. People are now going online and checking out a product, looking at its pricing. They're comparing specifications of that type of analytical buyer. And then there's also websites that will give opinions and reviews of a particular establishment. And that's also entered into the mix. Um, if we have a bad experience, we might go online and say, I didn't really like that store. So I'm going to give them a bad great rating. And that does weigh very heavily. So what does that mean? That means that retailers now have to really ensure that it's not just meeting expectations anymore. It's going way and above. Like, for example, I, I needed some service done on my car. I went back to the dealer. The dealer checked me in using all sorts of technology, uh, asked if it was okay that she could send me a text. Sure. I picked the car up. Everything's great. Sent me a text. How was your experience? We are here for you. Want to ensure that your experience was everything that you were hoping for. I couldn't possibly leave a negative review on this now because it was a good experience. And so that's part about the buying behavior now. The buyers also are really leveraging technology more so than ever. So that's where the retailers now have to be very, very careful about what they're promising, what they're doing. What do you think are some, uh, you know, there's some, of course, temporary changes that uh, retailers have to make. What are some longer term changes that you think are going to be kind of the new norm of of how, you know, stores and, and you know, particularly stores and retail operate? If you take the model of uh, the classic brick and mortar, like I talked about before, is the embracing of technology. Uh, for example, I've been working from home for the past 10 weeks. And without virtual technology, remote meeting technology, we literally are relying on a telephone. But here we have a face-to-face -face communication that has been and that will continue to be a new way. If you think of certain retailers coming out with avatars or certain models, to you know, with something that might be a piece of jewelry or a, an outfit or something that is now going to require some addition of technology to make the buying experience a bit simpler. Now, again, there's going to be an equation here between how much money that people are going to invest with just going to a brick and mortar store versus a percentage of their business going to online. So there's going to be more investments made into updated websites and interactive buying process, follow up. All of that is going to be an investment that people will make into the way they shop. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, of course, omnichannel is a buzzword, but I think, you know, given the times, it's it's accelerated that approach to go, if you haven't had an online presence or, you know, other uh, types of presence to be able to connect with your customer, how they want to connect with you. I think that's accelerated that approach, of course, during these times. What do you think as retailers start to get ready uh, if they have not had a digital approach? And they want to bring it all together to have that online, offline world kind of collide, if you will. What are the, some of the things that retailers get wrong in that process? Making assumptions based on false evidence or fear, false, false evidence appearing real. And this is a time for any of the retailers paying attention to what I'm saying. It's time to do a strengths and weaknesses analysis. And what I mean by a SWOT analysis is to continue the word. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. This is a time where most retailers really need to sit down with pen and paper or on a computer. What are we really good at right now? What are our strengths? What are our unique selling propositions? What do we do really, really well? And now confronting the brutal facts. 
What are things that we really don't do well? What are some areas that we are weak as a company? Do we not have enough of an online presence? Is our marketing message kind of muddied, muddied waters with everybody else? Are we doing things differently? Are we creating a new direction? Are we very clear on our vision for three years? Those are weaknesses that some companies don't really have that in place. But the good news in this conversation is the opportunities that lie in front of them. And this is a time to get really, really creative. What are we looking at, looking at this long term? And, and conversations I've had with CEOs recently has been about keeping an eye on long term growth. Yeah, there's a lot of setbacks right now. There's a lot of financial challenges because of the disruptive uh, forces that occurred from COVID-19. But a lot of CEOs are paying very careful attention to what's going to happen six months, a year, two years, and five years down the road. And then finally, threats is the last part of that equation. Things that are not in our control and how do we prepare ourselves so that we can anticipate how we can survive and thrive through that uh, challenge. A pandemic is a threat when you think about it. We have no control over this. Our reaction to it is something we have control over. So that's the first step, SWAT. Here's the next step. If we look at and break our business into four segments, I call it care. How to care for your business. K-A-R-N-E. K is about to keep your customers. A number of retailers have customers. They've been loyal. They've been dedicated. They've come through thick and thin. They've brought customers. They've brought friends. They've brought family in because they're, they're loyal. There are certain strategies that retailers now need in order to retain those keep clients, those keep customers that they come back. And by the way, there are certain retention factors that keep customers coming back for more. In other words, variety of products and services might be one. For example, is a retailer innovating? Are they looking for new things? Are they staying really tuned into new products and offerings and services that keeps them relevant, keeps them fresh in their appearance, and certainly not dated? Because again, we have a saying, which is that your best customer is someone else's best prospect. So in order to maintain and keep that business, it's important that retailers are looking within and saying, how do we innovate? How do we become, how does it become a better experience for us? So for any of the retailers that put down that as a weakness, here's the opportunity to really get creative with your ownership and your team to ask, what could we be bringing in? What are some things we can be offering that will help create more of that cool factor? So that's K. Attain is the A in care. Attain is all about marketing and getting new people in the door. And that's done through offerings, through marketing, through direct mail, using social media. There are so many new amazing websites out there that could be used for the social branding. Is the marketing message clear? How are we getting new people in the door? What are some cool things that we could do to begin to be introduced to other people that could be prospective customers of ours? So again, you'll notice something here, Bobby, that there are two completely different strategies. All right. Now, again, I'm going to go to the last two of this group here. But now think about for the people that are retailers is, well, what are we doing to keep our customers that are, are existing to get them to come back in the store or to get back in touch with us? How do we reach out to them on an outreach basis? Maybe there's something we can offer them or give them up front, some sort of uh, either discount or coupon or some, some valuable thing that we can give first. Givers gain. A, again, to recap, uh, to, to attain new business. What am I doing to get people in the door? What is my process for marketing? Now, let me go to the last two letters. R is for recapture. There are people that have bought in the past that have not been back. So what is a retailer's proactive process to get in front of customers past? A welcome back, if you will, bringing them back in, getting them up at, off their couch, getting them in the car, with a face mask, 
getting them in the door with a face mask, but you know what I'm saying, is somehow getting re-engaged with past customers. I've seen business people, retailers go back through their lists and realize that there are hundreds, if not thousands of customers that have shopped, but they have not really kept in contact with them. This is the ideal time to be back in touch with those people. My caution here is to not try to sell them something up front. It is to reconnect and to re-engage. And then the context, it's the lifeline to the past of why we started doing business with in the first place. So that's all about recapturing past clients. And the last category is about expand. And these are your rock star customers that there's more potential, there's more add-on opportunity if it's presented the right way. So if you see, there's four different areas of K-A-R-N-E, keep, attain, recapture, expand in the retail world. And now it provides us with an opportunity to be very granular and strategic in every one of those areas. Here's another thing. I would suggest anybody listening to make a list of those and look at your strengths and weaknesses and compare the two and say, how good a job are we doing at keeping customers happy and making sure that they do come back? How good a job are we doing of bringing new people in the door? I remember from the brick and mortar days that it was how many times customers walked in, which was door opens to how many people that actually bought something. And we can actually track that data. And we could look at a percentage of how many times people walked in to how many times they bought something. How about re-engagement? How successful are we by percentages of past clients that come back and re-engage? And then finally, upsell opportunities and cross-sell. So this is really getting from tactical to very strategic. And to give retailers some real true hope and an abundance mindset that although there is challenge now, it is temporary in nature. And there are ways to climb out and to be able to thrive in this environment. I think there's a bunch of retailers right now uh, that are in different camps, ones that, you know, uh, are thinking, OK, well, what, when do I actually get back open and start to get you know, people back in my door? And there, then there's other people that are really, you know, to your point, building that tactical slash strategic plan and figuring out how are ways to connect with their customers even during this time and how are ways to be able to re-engage with them when their doors open? How are other ways to you know sell to them right now with other mediums? I think it's a mix of things that, you know, retailers should be doing now uh, to be able to, you know, A, you know, sustain themselves, but B, be able to be in a really rock solid position as things open back up and as people start to feel comfortable coming back and, and, and shopping. Exactly, Bobby. They, these are some tough questions that retailers have to ask themselves. What makes us different? What makes us better? Where are we not? In the training work that I do, I use a principle of the theory of constraints. And that is the chain, a proverbial chain is only as strong as its weakest link. And this is really the time to look within and maybe in some cases get some outside set of eyes or a fresh set of eyes on a business and say, where are we missing the mark? Where do we need to be better? And those leaders who are driven to take those hard steps are the ones that have a leg up on everybody else who's really literally, I have to tell you that I've seen three different types of business um, people. Uh, I'm going to use an animal analogy. The turtles are those that have decided for the past two and a half or three months to put their head in their shell and just really just literally wait till it blows over and then open up the doors again. And they'll be shocked to see that the world they left no longer exists. Then there's another group of people who are probably a pretty large group and they're, they're either chickens or turkeys. And I, and I mean that respectfully in the sense that there's a lot of energy being spent doing a lot of activity, but it's not connected for a higher purpose. It's all a lot of tactical stuff. And, and a rule here is never to mistake activity for achievement. They're doing a lot of things, but they're not really connecting the dots. That's probably 50, 60% of the people out there. Like they want to do things, but they're not sure how to connect the dots to make it work. 
The last group, uh, probably about 20% of the people I'm talking to now are eagles, meaning they see it, they experience it, they are very real about what they see. They're not putting on rose-colored glasses, but they're looking long-term. They're looking long-term. They're looking at the next three to five years to what the landscape will look like. And they're adapting their business to that long-term vision. And those are the people that are the ones are, are generally risk takers. Those are the ones that are experiencing that, well, we may need to make some cuts here and make some investments here, but they're the ones that are looking to become better versions of themselves and their businesses. Yeah, that's a great. I'm, I'm going to start using that analogy. That was great. What do you think? Uh, that's actually a, a good point that you bring up. You know, there's in those groups of retailers, there's also, I would say, you know, in that middle group that you were talking about, the chicken and the turkeys, a bunch of things that are being done, but not having a clear strategic plan of, hey, what do I want to achieve? Or what is what does the next year or two look like? And then let me map that to tactical things I should be doing. Are there absolute no-nos and, and areas that people should not be doing, not running in six different directions, of course, being able to map that to their strategic plans. But are there tactical things that you think retailers should not be doing these days? Yeah, zigging and zagging and zigging and zagging without any real purpose behind it. If there's this great idea, hey, let's let's try this great idea, I would often ask, well, is it tied back to a larger plan? And that's where when things aren't rooted to a larger plan, that's where we tend to get caught in the weeds with a tactic. And it may have some very short-term gain, but if we're looking at that eagle mindset is... For example, here's a great marketing idea. Let's give a future purchase coupon or certificate to uh, a customer that decides to venture out and come in the door. Hey, I saw one of your offerings online. Sounds great. And we as a retailer may say, hey, what a genius attack. I'm going to give them a $50 coupon or something off our next purchase. Right Next time you come in, here's a gift. Okay, that's very tactical. It might mean a couple more people might come in the door, but is that part of a larger initiative and plan that marries sales and marketing together? And that's the part that we're trying to emphasize, that most retailers might not be thinking that way. They might be thinking very tactically. You know, here's the flavor of the day. We're going to try this today. Next week, oh, what, what did we do last week? Uh, let's try something new now. And that comes across to buyers. So, you know, what, what the perception is by the buyer is really it's all going to matter. So they're seeing a polished organization that's doing a lot of proactive planning. Great. But in uh, many cases, it's just sort of hit and miss. Hey, we tried that, didn't work. Then we'll try this, it didn't work. We'll try this, it did work. It's sort of ready, fire, aim. That's what it is. What do you think are, you know, I, I know you've probably seen a bunch of in-store experiences that you've over the years, of course, pre-pandemic, uh, and we're going to get back into stores again. But what are what are some of the best in-store experiences that you've ever seen uh, being out there uh, with retail shops and, and just kind of in the landscape? Engagement. Genuine engagement. I don't mean salesy, pushy. And the other side of that is to be ignored is a no-no. Genuine engagement. I'm going back 30 years ago. My wife and I were down in Florida uh, and my folks at that time lived down in Florida. We were in a mall and uh, walking by and there was a retailer there and one of the salespeople was sort of standing by the door and greeted us and just said, just said hi. She then proceeded to compliment our son, which was a really good move. He was two years old and in a stroller and she started to talk to him and then she said, so what, what are, are you visiting or do you live here? And we said, oh, we're visiting. Oh, okay. And how often do you get down here? And I didn't get the sense at all that there was any kind of pressure. It was genuinely a very lovely conversation. And she seemed genuinely interested in us. And I felt that she was listening to us. She showed that she was actively listening to us. And we ended up in the store. 
it was a really great experience. So I think that first thing is that, and a rule that we talk about is that you cannot a second time make a good first impression. And it only takes eight seconds. Now, let me give you the flip side of that. My wife and I were looking for a car going back about three or four years ago, walked into a local dealership. It took eight seconds for the salesman to screw it up. He says, uh, hi, uh, you know, I'm Bob. Uh, Bob's my fictitious uh, name. Bob, so what brings you in today? And my wife says, well, I'm interested in that car. And the salesperson says, well, sure, let me tell you about that car. First of all, uh, it won the last year's safety test scores, highest in its category. My wife says, well, with due respect, I really don't care about that. And he says, so safety is not important to you? And it was over. It was done. He stepped, he stepped on his foot. And it happens so quickly. We don't realize that it takes eight seconds. Now, a lot of people in sales have blind spots here. They don't realize. And that's where if we think about covering the basics here, and even as we reopen and re-engage and reimagine the possibilities, here's the time to look at everybody's approach to people when they walk in the door. Make a friend. Take the time. Learn more about them. And also understand, that's in the book too, people communicate differently. And the art here is that how do I deal with somebody who's a little bit more fast-paced, who's less direct, who's more analytical? Do I understand my buyer? People buy from people that are like them and who they like. So if, if the rule applies, that means that people buy from people they like and who are like them. That means that the salesperson knows enough to emulate the style that that person wants to be communicated in. And again, it's another degree of training. Are there favorite brands um, that you love uh, based on kind of the experience, you know, notable brands that we all know that you can share? When you say brands, are we talking about consumer products, consumer items? No, as you as you walk into locations. So like, example, Nordstrom's or, you know, Brookstone or, or brands that you think create a really good do exactly what you just said in, in the sense that engagement? Well, first of all, some of the larger department stores, it's not a question of the store. It's a question of the salesperson. There is a guy that worked at a local Bloomingdale's, you know, in our local market area. And uh, the guy knew everybody and he was engaging. He was friendly. He knew what to pick out. You know, he clearly was a master at understanding clothing, how it appeared on people. So that was one uh, great experience. You know, the list goes on. I and mean, I think about even, you know, Nordstrom's, for example, is another experience where people were trained to engage. But also, it's the amount of knowledge that people possess. What I find is an interesting mix for the better experiences is not having to demonstrate a lot of product knowledge up front, but to show engagement first and then leveraging the product knowledge to help the person solve the problem or the issue they're looking to solve. Those are memorable experiences that have exceeded expectations where we walk out and say, that was really great expectation. That was really good. Actually, yeah, one of my favorite uh, stores in the sense of getting that experience and engagement. Uh, and, and I think, you know, the team members are really trained well, but it also goes into the actual in-store environment as well as Nike. I think Nike does a great job in how they coach their team members to really connect with the customer, learn about learn about the customer, and then connect them to the different, you know, shoes or you know, clothing items or whatever the case may be that they might be interested in. And all in all, they're playing you know the right music and the right screenery and the right visuals and all that good stuff uh, to kind of complement that as well. So that's definitely one of my, my my favorite brands, and I think they do exactly what you said really well. Yeah. And especially now the stores, uh, my, my wife had bought me some stuff at Lululemon. Uh, and it's not just that's for women's clothing. There was like a, a men's, uh, she bought me a pair of shorts and, and, a, and a jacket. So I thought the shorts didn't really fit me right. I went back to the store. It was an amazing experience. And right through the whole experience, it was well done and very professionally treated. And I walked out of that feeling great. And that's really literally the burdens off my shoulder. I didn't mind spending the extra money. And I felt that I was listened to, catered to, and it was, a, it was, again, an expectation that was exceeded and not just met. 
Rob, we talk a lot about um, you know people and you know just kind of the different different experiences that we have based on that engagement. But are there technologies that over the last few years you've uh, seen adopted faster than you expected? More and more retailers are now looking to customer retention and customer retention management systems or CRM. And why is that so valuable now? Is if you think about it, are there retailers that send happy birthday or happy anniversary or congratulations here, congratulations there as a way to create a subliminal top of mind awareness? And it's automated. It's an automated process. Those are still out in front. One of the greatest ways to ensure that it is going to keep that steady stream of customers coming in the door. There's also now text message technology. There are more and more people are shying away from email and now looking at text messaging. Where is your cell phone right now, Bobby? How far is it away from you? No, right here. (laughs) Okay. So the average person has a cell phone within three feet of them most of the time of the day. And that has now become the focal point for, uh, although we get email, but text message is one of those asynchronous processes that people respond to. When you get a text message, you take a look right away. Emails may pile up. So now a lot of retailers and technology have now embraced that using text messaging without it sounding too salesy. The messaging is, again, areas that I've helped retailers to develop their messaging so that it sounds that it's non-salesy, but shows engagement. Those are some of the things we're seeing that have been very, very successful. Now, There's a marketing side and there's a selling side. Uh, The marketing side is all going to be through websites, you know, bringing uh, marketing back to the website so people will tend to visit the website, click through, stay on pages longer. But I'm seeing that the cell phone, smartphone is being leveraged through all sorts of really cool technology. Are there technologies or a certain technology that you think will have the biggest impact on really shaping the future of retail in the next coming years? I will say that video, you look at how many new sites have come up with video. There are statistics about video. I mean, I've just seen this now, how technology in each segment that we're seeing, technology has has just disrupted and turned every uh, industry on its head. I've seen it in commercial real estate. I've seen it in uh, uh, residential real estate. We've seen it in, in medicine, in the retail sector. How many times has it happened to you that you walk into either a shopping mall, there's geofencing now, where if you walk in to one sporting goods store, you get a text message from the competitor. That's another way that now that we no longer have to find marketing, marketing finds us. And I think we're going to see more and more of that as we go. And again, we're just in the beginning steps of that. Here's my, my suggestion. I am not a technology expert, but I will say that for any retailer is what are they doing to align themselves so that once again, that they are completely aligned to the changing technologies and staying on top of that. Is there a person in that organization that really is aware of new apps that are coming out that could really benefit them and help them be rising above their competitors? It's really keeping their ear to the ground. Well, thank you, Rob. That was a wealth of information. Any last thoughts for our listeners? Folks, I would say that stay the course. And I would also suggest what I call behavioral change, which means that for those of us that find that it can be daunting and challenging now is to take action. What are the things you can do now to do today? Don't get overwhelmed. Take it step by step. Have a big picture plan. Do the SWOT analysis. See what you're really good at. See areas of weaknesses that you can address because those are true opportunities in your business. And you know, feel free to reach out if you have any questions or suggestions that I can make on my end. Uh, again, doing this a long time. We've been through challenges before and there is light at the end of the tunnel. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Brick and Mortar Reborn. To find the resources mentioned in this show and detailed show notes, head over to brickandmortarreborn.com.